Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Okay, you know, this card looked great wrapped around you, you know. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. The body's a temple. That's why we're talking. Welcome back, everyone. 903 the time. Hour number three here on Sports 56 Mornings. Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023 edition. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy. Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, the world's biggest spa sale, continues at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Currently 67 degrees as you get your Tuesday morning rolling. Partly cloudy skies. We're looking at sunshine today. High of 91 tonight. Partly cloudy with a low of 68. Time now to talk some Rhodes College links. It's time to go inside Rhodes College Athletics on Sports 56 Mornings. Every week, a representative from Rhodes will join Greg and Eli to talk about all things Lynx. Let's go inside Rhodes Athletics now on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. It is always nice to talk about a dub. And the Rhodes Lynx got a football win last Saturday. Coach Rich Duncan joining us in studio the head football coach of the Rhodes Lynx. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Rich Duncan. It was Rhodes improving to 3-2 and two with a 31-7 win over Southwestern University. Coach, good to see you again. Congratulations on the win. Thanks, Greg and Eli. I appreciate you having me on. Nice bounce back. You had the tough road trip to Texas. We talked about that last week. You wondered how the guys would respond. You felt they'd be very resilient. They were. Came out there. Mission accomplished. Yeah, really proud of the way our guys, you know, we had two tough losses two weeks in a row in way different ways. You know, got beaten triple overtime, then kind of got run, run off a little bit. Uh, and, and I was really proud of the way our team responded. We played well in all three phases of the game. Uh, we scored early on offense to get out to a lead. Um, our defense played pretty electric. And, uh, you know, we, we threw an interception that led to their only score. It, it, we stopped them, and, it, you know, they scored on our, our defense. But uh, without that interception, I don't think they would have scored. And uh, it was a pretty pretty solid effort all around. So we talked last. So this was the battle of the Southwesterns. Do they have to change their name now? Uh, I don't know, but we're keeping that one. Uh, you know, it was kind of funny. It was a little pregame banter too, uh, kind of going on between the teams. So uh, you know, we're one to zero right now in the battle of Southwesterns. Evan Reeder gets to start again at quarterback. Twenty of twenty-eight, three oh one. Three touchdowns, did throw a couple of picks, also ran the ball well, 12 attempts for 59 yards. So, again, you're, I'm using the air quotes, backup quarterback, another solid effort. Yeah, you know, I thought Evan played great. Um, I, I thought he was a little bit slow getting started, but once he got in the rhythm, uh, thing, things went pretty well for Evan. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. I think we'll get Houston back this week. Uh, I think we're going to play both. Uh, I think we're going to be tough to prepare for because they're two different style of quarterbacks. One's a righty, one's a lefty. One's more of a runner, one's more of a pocket passer. Um, but they, they both have a unique skill set, and I think it makes our offense even more dangerous. You were telling us before we went on there, you had a quite a goal line stand in this game. Yeah, you know, it was a heck of a play. We made a tackle and stopped it about six inches short of the goal line to make it first and goal. And, you know, they went tush-push twice. We were able to stop that. On third down, we forced them out of it and uh, got them, you know, tackled them for a three- or four-yard loss and then blocked the field goal at the end of the sequence. And um, it, it, was, it was a heck of a stand by our defense for sure. You were mentioning before we went – back on air from the commercial break that uh, on one of those sequences they brought in a um, they took the quarterback out and, and brought in a uh, 
uh, running back, was it? Or yeah, in, okay. they, they brought in a specialty player to so run like the wild tush push. Yep. Okay, and he runs the tush push and gets hurt. He did. Okay. He did. And I think we talked about this last week, but you believe, like I believe, that they are going to eventually outlaw the tush push? I do. Push? I, I really do. I think, you know, it, it's really hard uh, when you look at you, the way that we've made the rules for PAT and field goal. Uh, that you can't push an aided defender to go block a PAT field goal, that it, that you can push your aided defender to run the football in a scrum like that. And, you know, I, I'll be honest, that's the first time I've seen the tush push live in a game, one of our games. And, um, I mean, there's 22 people around the football, and that pile is uh, it's pretty vicious in there. And, you know, they had six inches to go. We were able to hold them from the six inches twice, but uh, that pile went straight vertical, and the, the quarterback ended up getting pulled off the pile. And, and, and I don't know if you got the wind knocked out of him or he got he got the shoulder hit but um you know there's a long delay while they got him off the field and then we forced them out of it on third down so what is, on that you've uh as you mentioned you stopped it twice so what is it just are you telling your guys you got to get lower than them what's how do, how are you stopping that you know it's really funny we we do a thing called the big red ball at our place and um it's two versus two on this big cut ball, and you got to move the ball three yards in one direction or the other to win. And uh, it's something we've I've done part of my coaching career for a long time. But uh, when we saw this thing come up, and and we saw them run it in practice, you know, in games before, so we were ready for it. And uh, you know, we told our defense, "Hey, man, this is just a big red ball. You got to get you got to get underneath them. You got to fight for leverage. Uh, you got to keep moving your feet, and you just you got to refuse to lose." And fortunately, we were able to come out ahead in that battle. And I understand that type of philosophy, attitude by by every single coach on both sides. The defense, like, we can hold them. The offense, we can get six inches. We can get a foot. We can get a yard. I understand that. Uh, Macho, right? Physical, let's do it. We can get this. But it seems like to me, and I've been watching football for a long, long time, (laughs) every time that quarterback bootlegs, he scores. I've never seen a bootleg not work. (laughs) He fakes that thing and goes around. Nobody's getting that guy. Why? Why does it always? It, at least in my opinion, it seems like the bootleg always works, but most of the time it's not called. You know, that's an interesting question, uh, Greg, because I, I think I think it's an attitude thing, right? You know, you get the ball and yes. you want to you want to be, be a macho guy and you want to be able to impose your will on the opponent, and that's kind of what football is a little bit. You know, the game is imposing your will on the other guy. And, uh, you know, when you get into those short yardage situations, everybody's instinct is to kind of, hey, we're going to go and we're going to pound this forward for an inch or we're going to do it, whatever we got to do. And uh, you're right. When the quarterback pulls it out naked and goes the other way, uh, very seldom because everybody's committed to stopping that, you know, mm-hmm. one foot, one yard, one inch, whatever it is. And in today's football, the thing that drives a lot of people crazy watching it is when they get down there. And still go from the shotgun, and everybody's like, well, yes. "Why are we going shotgun? Yes. Why won't you get up under center? Why are you taking the ball that far back when you only got to get six inches?" But a lot of the, I mean, many of these quarterbacks, I guess, heck, they don't even they don't even know how to take snaps from under center. You know, we, we're a shotgun offense, but we do have in our short yardage package we get under center, and um, you know, I, I think that. When I when I started coaching, you know, everybody was under center. Then we had to teach our guy how to be a shotgun quarterback and catch that snap and keep his eyes up. And then you get to the point where you're recruiting high school quarterbacks that have never been under center, so they've never had that experience. So um, I think sometimes in coaching we overthink things. You know, it's not that hard to take a snap center exchange. Uh, you put your hands under there, you get them right, the center gets it up, and uh, – you know, we, we do it, but we, you know, probably will only get under center maybe eight, nine times a year, and we practice it maybe two minutes. 
You know, it's, that's kind of the deal. It is because I, I think to the most people watching, well, how how hard can it be? Like as you say, you put your hands under there, the guy puts the ball into your hands. It shouldn't be that difficult. I think it's more so that it's a pressure situation. It's a big time situation. As a coach, you feel bad if you put a guy in a position that you really don't work on a lot, and you ma- that kid makes a mistake that really comes back on the coach in the way you feel as a coach. That man, I didn't put the kid in the best position to be successful. But you know, heck, football football's a game of taking chances too, and you have to be able to do willing willing to gamble with some of the odds. That's true, but I could see more mistakes happening in the shotgun. Bad snap, bad exchange from the quarterback to the running back. I understand the whole momentum. He comes in there with momentum into that line as opposed to being real close to the line where the quarterback would be in the sneak, and he doesn't have that momentum, that push. That comes back to the the tush push. But Memphis, if I'm not mistaken, in their game on Saturday against Boise, had a situation where it was third and very short, less than a yard, they went in shotgun, they were stopped, then came back on fourth down and under center, and you have a quarterback who's pretty tall in Hennigan, and he basically leans over and gets the first down. I, I don't understand. I'm with Eli 100% why you would even go shotgun at all if it's one yard or less. I, I think it's more so just your based offensive call. You know, and you're changing up what you do, mm-hmm. which coaches are creatures of habit. They are. Uh, we are creatures of habit to to the umph degree. And, um, you know, sometimes we have to refocus and go, hey, we only need six inches. We better get the quarterback up under center. I think sometimes that happens to us. You just get into the, you know, the, the part of calling the game. But, but you probably, excuse me, you probably don't want your quarterback, or do you? Leaping over where not that ball can get the ball. Not, yeah, We yes, tell okay. the kids we're only going to extend the ball if it's, Game time decision. You know, okay. it's, it's it's right at the end, and we've got to get the ball in, and that's the only shot. But you know, anytime you extend the ball, that leads to fumbles. And, right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. You know, that particularly in a sneak play where you're on, you're not really on the ground. You're on top mm-hmm. of players when you do that, which technically you're not down. Especially in the replay game, they, a lot of times they're going to say that that ball was out. I, and that's always I always find that because to me, I would think. I mean, the instinct of the player is like, hey, I'm close, like. I'm going to read. How do you try and instill that into? Don't do it unless it's fourth down or whatever. Yeah, it, it, you just have to talk about it. You don't get a lot of live situations to yeah. practice it. And you know, we've had a couple kids. With, you know, they almost catch themselves mid. You know, they they start to stick it out, and then you'll see them rip it back because the, the kind of words are in their mind at that point. But uh, you know, the, the players that are really smart when you watch football, the, the guys that have a really high football IQ, when they stick it out, they don't leave it out. They they pull it right back. But that ball's traveled that distance to where it's extended. Do you? Because I know a lot of people, and I do like. What do you think of the rule of the fumble that goes into the end zone and out of the end zone? And not is that actually recovered and that the offense loses that ball? Yeah, well, I mean, it's got to be the rule. I don't know what other rule you could have um, because the ball went out of play in through the end zone. Um, you can't you can't bring it back to where it was. Like on fourth down, the rule is you bring it back to where you fumble. But the rest of the downs, um, you know, the ball was played where it goes out of bounds. And out of bounds is through the end zone, and you can't have the ball in the end zone. Yeah, because um, I, 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 I hear a lot of people say, like, if the if the defense doesn't recover it, why do they get the benefit of it? Like, that, a lot of people believe it should just come back to where the ball was fumbled from because the defense didn't do anything; they didn't recover the ball, but then all of a sudden they get the ball. Yeah, I, 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 for as long as this game's been played, that's been the way it is, and um, you know, I. 
a, a replay and that rule. You know, there's a lot of discussions that talk radio can talk about in football. Um, but, uh, you know, I just don't know that there's any other. I, I guess you could bring it back to where you fumbled. Uh, but then, then you'd have to bring all fumbles back to where you fumbled. And I don't know that that makes sense. Rich Duncan is joining us. He's the coach of the Rhodes Lynx football squad. They're three and two after knocking off Southwestern University last Saturday at Crane Field here in Memphis, thirty-one-seven. They'll be on the road at Millsaps coming up this Saturday. We'll discuss that in just a moment. You mentioned the goal line stand. We don't uh, single out too many times the the defensive stalwarts, but who are a couple of guys on the defensive side? That really helped in this 31-7 win. Yeah, you know, Evan Bird uh, plays safety for us, and I think he's probably the best safety in our conference. Uh, and he's just been consistent week in and week out. Um, Hart Penfield's an outside linebacker for us over from Bryan, Arkansas, that is just a really gritty player. Um, you know, and then we've got, you know, I would say probably defensively we're kind of like the no-name defense. You know, we've got a lot of guys that play really good football, and they're all really good football players. But, you know, Hart and Evan kind of stand out a little bit above. But we've got, you know, we rotate. We're probably playing 21, 22 guys on defense. We're rotating guys through. And uh, we're uh, other than one week of football, we've played really good football, and it proved that, you know, last week Trinity came back and put up another big number on a really good football team. So their offense is pretty dang good. Millsaps um, just got their first win of the year this past week. What uh, what do you expect out of them? Uh, they, they they've got a freshman quarterback out of Alabama, a kid that coaches son, and uh, they, they brought him into the lineup about three weeks ago, and uh, he's really changed their dynamic. You know, they got beat a hundred to nine their first two games, and since then they've played three really tight one-score football games, and the kid's been the difference uh, for their offense. You know, they've struggled a little bit on getting stops on defense, um, but, you know, it, it, you can see them getting better on film. It's a first-year first head coach, um, new staff, and I think it's taking a little bit of time to get their feet under them, but you can definitely see the improvement through five games for them. You, you talked about uh, bouncing back from the game at Trinity to play the way you played this past Saturday. How about coming off a W where you're feeling good about yourself, you look at Millsaps, even though they're coming off a W, and say, eh, you know, they, they haven't had a great year. We should go in there. How do you get those players' mindset straight and narrow? Hey, we got we got to come ready to play because they can beat us as opposed to this will be a walk in the park. Yeah, you know, in college football, Greg, um, it's tough to win on the road. I don't care what the what the lines are, what the matchups are. You know, in college football, it's different than the NFL, particularly at our level. We're not flying charter into every – it's it's not a, a travel of convenience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, typically a, a home team gets seven points, uh, particularly in small college football, just from the travel situation. And, um, you know, our kids know uh, we spend a lot of time with, hey, on the road is different. Uh, it's special every time you win a road game in college football. Um, and – you know, I think we've got a pretty mature football team right now. Guys that really love playing football. We had a long talk last night. This is a rivalry game. Uh, Millsaps um, always gets up and ready to play Rhodes. And, uh, you know, we went in and spoiled their homecoming. We're, we're there two years in a row the way their schedule quirked this year. We added a team to the league. So we went there, spoiled their homecoming a year ago, and beat them pretty soundly. They'll be ready to play us. 
And uh, I think our kids know it. I, you know, they, we've got a group that understands the game of football. And I guess as you talk about the travel, like you, you really like games like this where it's on the road. It's a short trip. <laughs> yeah, this this one's short for us. Uh, three hours is a short trip in our league, and uh, you know we're able to do it all. We're game times three o'clock, so we're going to get up in the morning, travel down morning of, and then uh, you know travel back after the game. So it's a one day travel. After last week where we were four hour or four day travel, this one day travel is pretty easy. <laughs> so you like that? Five. five Final thing for you, completely different topic, but it's something we've talked about on the show many, many times over the years. Do you have uh, conversations with your offense about situations where it's late in the game and you're in control and a guy would be going in for a touchdown, but you would rather him not score that touchdown because the only way the other team has a chance is to get the ball back and then onside kick and all that. Do you talk to him about that or do you just say, just score? No, we practice not scoring. Uh, I, I think you're talking about the play from the Chiefs game last night or two nights ago. I don't know which night yep. it was now. Yes, but, so. mm-hmm. um, yeah, I happened to see – I caught the tail end of it, and I thought it was really smart by Mahomes. I'm sure that – I read that it may have affected the betting line a little bit. Mm-hmm. I saw that uh, <laughs> uh, as part of my, my seat. Me. But uh, it was the right play because they can't win without the ball. And once they picked up the first down, the game's over. You can run it out and kneel it. And uh, we do. We we try to practice that. You know, it's not something you do every week, but it's something you do every three, four weeks. You you get in that scenario, and you you, you kind of got to set it up uh, because you got to make it happen, which is hard to do sometimes in practice, where you can run for the first down and not score. Um, you know, and it's it, you know in college football with the way the clock rules are for us. You know, outside of two minutes, we can still run out of bounds, and the clock is going to reset and run, which is a little bit different than it was, you know, in the, in some other places where you play football. So we, we got to coach some of those scenarios uh, as well. But that that scoring when at the end's a big one because I, I was actually early young younger in my coaching career, we were able to come back and tie a game mm-hmm. because the team scored uh, in that situation, and um, I think I was twenty four or twenty five years old at the time, and I've never forgotten it. I always said if I became a head coach we want to practice that situation yeah the Chiefs two nights ago they chose he chose not to score last night the Giants weren't choosing not to score they just couldn't they just yeah. couldn't <laughs> they just couldn't score they looked like they were practicing not scoring as well <laughs> well didn't we, didn't we have the, you were at the game didn't we have the situation because I know Lane was mad that the guy scored late in the game what was that situation with with um Ole Miss and LSU they could have kicked the field goal, but he went I mean, down. He, well, the 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 a lot of people had a problem with the Eagles throwing a deep ball to score the touchdown that gave that, the Red. I uh, remember well, the that kids the Commanders a minute and a half rather than run more of the clock, either score the touchdown later or kick the field goal, giving them no time to go score. But they scored the touchdown. Commanders went down, scored the touchdown to answer, and then of course they won in overtime. But that's where people get people were criticizing them for throwing a deep pass to get that touchdown. At that point, where to me that was a tie game, like you just got to score. I know if, if yeah. you got the opportunity to score in a tie game to take the lead, you just got to do it. Yeah, when the game's tied, all bets are off. We're not yeah. trying to manage the clock. To you know, you missed a you know a couple of weeks ago, we missed a field goal right at the end of regulation that sent it to triple overtime yeah. loss, right? And we were milking the clock in that situation, but you know, I think all bets are off in a tie football game. You you go and score uh, when you can score, and then you play good defense and uh, play good special teams, and you know you hope for the best. I'm not ever. I mean. I know field goals, especially at the pro level, are pretty much automatic. Certainly at the college level, I'm not trusting the kid. Like, I just don't. I if I can get in the end zone, I'm getting in the end zone for sure, 100. percent I mean, just to put you know, you, you take a lot of pressure off of everybody when you yeah. can put it in for six rather than having to kick it for three. So, 
Good luck at Millsaps. Appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you next week. That's Coach Rich Duncan. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Coach Rich Duncan. He joins us every week. And we will continue with uh, Rhodes Athletics after the college football season. Zoe Goodson will be in for men's basketball. We'll talk a little women's basketball as well and do this all the way into the spring. So, again, we uh, look forward to uh, more conversations with the coaches from Rhodes Athletics. We need to take a quick time out. Before we do so, though, I want to tell you about a great place for hot wings, and that's the Crazy Coop. 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten and the Crazy Coop Express, not far from us, at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. If you're looking for the entire menu, the big menu, that's the Bartlett store. You can go there, you can get the delicious catfish sandwiches, those juicy half-pound burgers, all the great sides, including the fried okra, the green tomatoes, the fried dill pickles, but of course, either restaurant for the Crazy Coop Wings, and that's what they're all about. 27 different seasonings, and that's what makes the wings. Everything from the mango habanero, which is a sweet taste of mango, followed by the heat or the sweet maple bourbon. The taste will remind you of chicken and waffles. 27 delicious flavors. They will cater any event. And of course, what goes uh, great with football, What goes? what's synonymous with football, tailgating, it's, of course, chicken wings. If you haven't tried them, you're missing out. It's the Crazy Coop, 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten and the Crazy Coop Express, the 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. We'll take a quick time out. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Get them to sign on the line which is dotted. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Gonna put the world away for a minute. Pretend I don't live in it. Sunshine gonna wash my blues away. We just ran that commercial with Jonah Gamble of the Memphis Tigers. Jonah got banged up a little bit at the end of the win over Boise State. Uh, had a chance to talk to him. He's in a lot of pain. Uh, wasn't so sure whether or not he'd get back in the game. He did not get back in the game. But Coach Ryan Silverfield yesterday meeting the media, talking about him, that he feels he'll, he'll be just fine as they have that extra week to prepare for Tulane a week from this Friday. Coach Silverfield was the guest speaker last night at the Touchdown Club. Talking Tiger football, off to a 4-1 and one start. But again, the Tigers off this week. Really, if you look around the nation, Eli, as far as big games, there's a lot of, I think, big games in the SEC. And other than that, even the Pac-12, really not a lot of great matchups against uh, you know the top-tier teams playing each other. There's, of course, the Red River rivalry, which is the one that stands out above every game. But other than that... I don't think it's a great schedule this weekend. Uh, well, certainly Oklahoma, Texas, yeah, is the highlight game of the weekend. And um, if Texas is able to win this one, um, they certainly would appear to be on track for at least an undefeated regular season. Um, you start looking down that schedule and trying to find losses, and it gets very difficult um, if they get by this one. Um 
But there are some other top 25 matchups, some of those interesting teams that, you know, once again, you get um, Notre Dame against one, uh, Louisville. And, you know, Louisville's another one of those teams that, like, okay, they're undefeated, but how good really are they? We find out more about them. Of course, Notre Dame pulled out the miracle win after blowing their lead against Duke um, and having to convert on the fourth and 16 with Sam Hartman running for the first down on their final drive and then eventually. Uh, punching it into the end zone for the win in that one. And it was a shame for Duke late in that game. Riley Leonard, mm-hmm. after they gave up the lead, got hurt. He has a high ankle sprain. Uh, Duke's a good football team. They should have won that game, but give Notre Dame credit to come back and win. But yeah, as you said, you have Louisville. We really don't know much about them. I know a lot about Maryland. They're 5-0. and I don't expect them to be close to beating Ohio State. They may be able to score some points. Ohio State's a 19-and-a-half-point favorite, so it tells you what the odds makers think. Maryland's got a good offense. Maybe keep it within 19-and-a-half, but I don't see them beating Ohio State. And I think that's the problem, is Maryland is that next tier. You got Ohio State, you have Michigan, you have Penn State. Maryland, Rutgers, there's a couple of teams that are pretty good, but they're not good enough to beat those type of teams. It's interesting with Notre Dame playing Louisville this week, that Notre Dame, well, because next week they've got USC, so if USC, you know, I don't know who's who goes. Is your... USC plays Arizona. Yeah. So if USC wins a game, that will make four straight games for Notre Dame against undefeated teams. Which you start getting this late in the season, you don't, you're not going to get that very often. But they have played Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, USC. They'll have played four straight undefeated teams if USC wins this week going into next week's game. North Carolina had a bye. They're 4-0. How good are they? They're 14th ranked in the country. They play Syracuse. Syracuse is 4-1. They lost to Clemson last week. I think Syracuse is pretty good. North Carolina should win that game. And then, as I mentioned, the Pac-12, Washington State's 4-0. They have UCLA at UCLA. UCLA certainly capable of winning that game. They're 3-1. But it's not a matchup of ranked teams. UCLA is not ranked. Um, and then after that, you look at some of these Pac-12 teams that are ranked and who they play. Oregon State's 15th ranked. They're at Cal. Arizona, as I mentioned, at number, number 9 USC. So USC and Oregon State, ranked, should have easy wins. You would think would have easy wins, even though Oregon State is on the road. So I don't think there's much as far as the the big or the Pac-12 schedule. But the SEC schedule, we've talked a lot about it already this week with Barrett Sully yesterday with Connor O'Gara today. It is a showdown Saturday. We will learn a lot more about some of those SEC schools this Saturday. Texas A&M at home. This is your chance. You're playing great defense. Offensively, much better with Bobby Petrino. Here's Alabama. Alabama's on a nice little run, but they still are questionable at quarterback. Milrose, okay. He's not great. He's not going to pass all around the field on you. And can they get to Milrow? Can that Texas A&M uh, rush get to him like they've been getting to every quarterback? You have Kentucky and Georgia. Is Georgia the Georgia the past two years? Or right now are they number one unbeaten because they have just been able to do barely enough to win games. Will we see the real Georgia pop up, or is there the real Georgia this year? Maybe Kentucky can spring an upset, so we'll find out about that. Missouri, how good is Missouri? I think they're pretty good, 
LSU has to bounce back. LSU's toast as far as the playoff with two losses, but LSU is still capable of going in there and winning that game. And then Ole Miss has thrust themselves into the conversation in the SEC West after the win over LSU, and they're going to get Arkansas. They can't afford to lose that game. And you talked earlier to <clears throat> to our guest Connor O'Gara about Sam Pittman and his status. You know that would one that would go a long way to, to keep uh, Arkansas fans. Um, faithful to Sam Pittman because right now I think they're they're losing that faith. No, there's no doubt. They are they are starting to there is a uh, a turn in the tides as far as Sam Pittman goes. And again, this four game stretch of the schedule is always going to be broke. That's a, the, the loss to BYU going into the stretch really hurt him. The Mississippi State game coming out of it is going to be um huge. You know, they'll have come out of this brutal stretch to play that game at home, Mississippi State has a bye week before that game. Because if they were to lose that to Mississippi State, um, you know, that in all likelihood, if they do lose the rest of these road games, then you're talking about six straight losses at that point. Um, that's not good. The fans don't like to see losing streaks like that. But it's, um, you know, they got Rocket Sanders back. We'll see what they're able to do defensively against Ole Miss that LSU could not, because most teams that LSU's played this year have stopped Ole Miss from running the football. LSU could not figure out how to stop the run and then couldn't stop the pass, couldn't stop anything. Um, Those two teams tend to play close games, Arkansas and Ole Miss. It seems to come down to usually some craziness of some sort, and they usually play close games. And um, he could really use a win. Uh, they could really use a win. He could really use a win. because, And it's what you know, Conor Garrett talked about last year with that locker room splintering a little bit. If they do end up winning or losing five, six games in a row, where do things stand? You know, There was a lot of question marks about Rocket Sanders and what was really going on with that injury. You know, there's, there's just a lot of question marks around that whole team. And as, if you keep piling up losses, those are just going to keep piling up as well. Yeah, Sanders last week returned 11 carries, I think 34 yards off the top of my head. Uh, something in that, in that uh, range. It was not uh, good. Not a productive day for Rocket Sanders. The, uh, the television ratings from last weekend... Nebraska, or rather Colorado, had their uh, smallest audience of the season. It was still probably good. It was still the number one game of the week, though, as far as viewers are concerned. Their game against USC had 7.24 million viewers, which is the the lowest amount for any Colorado game this year. But it also is the eighth most watched college football game of the season. Every Colorado game is in the top eight of the most-watched college football games of the season. I'm trying to put my finger on why that is. Mm, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Uh, they have a new coach, right? They do. Georgia-Auburn was the second most-watched this weekend at 6.4 million, so basically 800,000 behind USC-Colorado. But it's, um, it's there's, here's what you need to do right now. If you put any football game on television, if you can get Deion Sanders and Taylor Swift both there, <laughs> I think you could draw 100 million viewers. Don't you hire at, Taylor Swift at, at if this, you have a coach? At this point, Michigan I, State should hire Taylor I, Swift. I think you could draw eight point or the the the. I probably heck, you might even get Super Bowl audience if you could get Taylor Swift and Deion Sanders both involved in the game. By the way, did you see uh, Nikola Jokic asked yesterday about Deion Sanders? He knows nothing about Deion Sanders. Shocking. 
Like Jamal Murray was like talked about like some I can't remember what the I think he kind of went into one of the games and they're like, Nicola, um, do you know anything about Deion Sanders? He just shook his head. He's like, uh, no, sorry. <laughs> I don't even know if he knows who Deion Sanders is. Like I honestly, I don't know that he even has a clue who Deion Sanders actually is. By the by the way, yesterday, I don't know, Zach, if you were in the room, in the media room, when um one of the media members asked <laughs> Jitty, asked John Conchar. He goes, Oh yeah. Yeah. He goes, I got a two part question for you. And then he asked like a legitimate first question. He goes, and the second part is uh, what was it about Taylor, Taylor Swift and Travis? Will it last? Did he say or something, something like, that? like that? Will Tra- will will Taylor Swift and <laughs> Travis now, Kelsey now you, last? Now you're about to make me go find it real so, quick. So Conchar, like like he doesn't break up or laugh or anything, and he answers the first question. And he goes, as far as the second question is concerned, I have no idea. I don't know if it'll last. But yeah, somebody asked uh, John Conchar in the Grizzlies uh, on media media day about uh, Swift and Kelsey. That was pretty funny. But do you think it was? Colorado playing without Travis Hunter down to come back the way they did, was that more on what Colorado was able to do offensively or how bad USC is defensively? Or maybe they just, ah, we got a big lead and, and didn't put the effort out. What what was it? I could not believe that that game, the way it started, ended up 49-41. Well, USC is not very good defensively. And that's, um, as Barrett Salee talked about that, that's just, that's Lincoln Riley. Um, it was his problem at Oklahoma, um, which held them back from winning, you know, national championships. But he's just he's that's what it is. And I, but I think on top of them not being good defensively, I think they also got a huge lead and were yeah they lost a little interest, didn't really care, like thought this game's over, um, we don't have to worry about anything. Um, so if you take a bad defense, who kind of lets down a little bit, they're really bad. And I think offensively, they just kind of went into, all right, this game's over mode. We're not going to do much here. We'll just be happy with what it is. Um, and then all of a sudden, it kind of snowballed, and Colorado's right back in the game with a chance to win it. Yeah, so I went back and listened to it again, and I, and it jogged my memory as he was walking out. So J.D. said, he said, I don't know. And then once he walked off the podium, he said, he said I'm not a Swifty. But Taylor Swift in two, uh, 2010, her stuff in 2010 was pretty good. That's right. He talked about liking her early stuff. Yeah, yeah. He went early stuff. 2010, Taylor. Yes. Wow. So he's he's a real he's old school. To be honest with yeah, you. I mean, if you can, you can say you're not a Swifty, but if you're going old school 2010, like it feels like you're a Swifty. Taylor Swift is how old now? She's 33. So 2010, 13 years ago, she was 20 years old. That's when he liked her when she was 20. Yeah. That, that's country Taylor Swift before yeah. she became a pop star. When she first burst on the see, it, the funny thing is, it was who was the the Vikings player? There was some Vikings player because they got the game this week, and he was talking about it. Oh, it was, um, and, he, and he said, "I've grown up listening to her." And it's weird to think of hearing somebody say, "I've grown up listening to Taylor Swift," but like she has been around for a yeah. while. That's because like, she was so young when she first come out. Come out, but it was like I was like. God, it's like really? Do we have a generation of people who have grown up listening to Taylor Swift? But we do. Yes, yeah. you you have moms and now daughters, uh, or or even fathers and daughters or sons uh, that that but, that. But I was like, her. man, an NFL player who grew up listening to Taylor Swift. Yeah, I know, is, hard to believe. It's just weird to me, but it but it's absolutely true. Like I remember singing songs of Taylor Swift in middle school because of it. Just listen to it on the radio. Like, yeah, it's legit. 
I ain't saying I'm a Swifty, but I'm just saying. You're, I, I think you're, if you're singing songs, I, I'm not I, if a you're singing hard, along, man. I think. Oh, I, I mean, remember. You're a hater, though. You're a hater <laughs> on the relationship. You can't be a Swifty and be a hater on the relationship. My my memory of Taylor Swift when she got started, I don't know her songs, was Kanye West stealing that, that award from oh, that her or whatever funny. he did. Right? Yeah, that was funny. I mean, it was like shocking. I mean, I was like, this poor young girl, man. This guy is just ripping away the, like, what is going on here? And of course she becomes. One thing she has never been is poor. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe (laughs) she was starting to earn her first millions back then. But man, oh man, it was, uh, I was like, what are you doing, buddy? And then of course she becomes like the biggest thing since sliced bread. So do do you think she'll go, uh, is the game in Minnesota? I believe it is. I think that's why they were talking. Yes, I believe it's Minnesota. Do we believe she'll go to Minnesota? Is Mama yes. Kelsey going to be there? And what will she bring the star-studded entourage that she brought to New York? I'm I'm double checking to make sure her tour doesn't hit Minnesota. I don't think she's on. I don't think she's on tour anymore. She's not on tour, tour right tour now. Oh, she's not. That's why she's able to go because her yes. tour is done. Uh, will she include Jake from State Farm as part of her entourage? I don't think we're going to see Hugh Jackman and all of that company making the trip to. Although it's not cold in Minnesota yet, a little better to go to Minnesota now than. In a couple of months. All right. Couple but Minnesota, other, not as cool as New York either. A <laughs> couple other college football notes before we take our final timeout. Florida State was off last week. They're back in action. Shouldn't have a problem, I don't believe, with Virginia Tech. And, again, that's a team, I wouldn't say flying under the radar. They've already had a couple of huge wins. But, certainly, um, they Mike Norvell's team is, is, is ready to uh, continue on this run and see if they can uh, get to the playoffs, be one of the – four teams in the postseason. And then you also have Minnesota and Michigan, where I don't believe it will be much of a game. The odds makers don't believe so either. Michigan's a 19-and-a-half point favorite. But I don't think there's that many people right now talking about Michigan. Michigan's obliterating teams. And they have an unbelievable combination of a quarterback who could throw, a great running back, and a defense that could stop you. Now, sometimes... You can look at the Big Ten schedule until they play Ohio State and Penn State and go, well, who are they playing? You know, Minnesota's an average team who will play this weekend in Minnesota. But Michigan is leaving no doubts. And even Jim Harbaugh not coaching the team the first three games, it didn't really matter. He had family members, for goodness sakes. They're just routing teams. That's a team right now, I think, you better keep an eye on is Michigan. Uh, obviously, they're very good. Um, and they have Bolivaria, but they haven't really played anybody. Um, right. So, But at least they do- take care of business. No close doing, shaves. They're doing what they're expected to do. But, I mean, you can look at the rankings and people realize they're they're really darn good. Uh, also, Iowa's lost starting quarterback Cade McNamara, who came from Michigan. Uh, the, he did not return after getting hurt in their 26-16 win over Michigan State. Iowa already has a inept offense. We know that Iowa, if they're winning football games, they're winning with their defense and special teams. Well, McNamara at least has has a pulse, and now they don't have McNamara anymore. I, I I look at Iowa, and I just don't see much from them. In fact, that whole Western division, they will lose the divisions next year. They will be adding the teams from the Pac-12, good riddance divisions, because that West, even though Wisconsin has had some good years, it is just a joke to see that Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State are all in that same division. Uh, somebody had texted and asked if there's any chance of a Colorado-Memphis bowl game. Uh, I 
don't believe there would be because there's no ties to the there's Big no 12, Pac-12 right? AAC matchups, Pac-12, yeah. and you could get to a situation where it's like two kind of at-large things. But any team with a Pac-12 tie-in that has the opportunity to take Colorado is going to take Colorado. Like they're nobody, they're not passing. And, you know, and, and I don't know what their rules are if you can pass an eight win team for a six win team, all that stuff. But the, the when the bowl gets a chance to take this Colorado team, they're going to take this Colorado team because they know it's going to be eyeballs and fans. And as you said with the at larges, I don't know if there are any bowl games that are associated or affiliated with the American Conference that has American Conference versus at large. I, I don't even recall if there is one. Well, there's there's a lot of there's there's bowl games that are basically at large versus at large. Yeah, but there's only so many American Conference teams that are going to make bowls, and they have they have contracts with the teams right now with the bowls that have a, an association with the American. There's probably seven bowl games that have American tie-ins, and I don't know how many teams are going to get six wins in the American Conference. So there's not going to be all these extra teams that could play in a, in a bowl that has an at large. That's all I'm saying. This side of the program is brought to you by Acura Memphis, located at Ridgeway at 385 and online at acuramemphis.com. Great cars, great people, great experience. That's what you're going to get every single time from the folks at Acura of Memphis. Go by, take a test drive, talk to the folks over there. See what it's all about. Feel the Acura difference when you're taking a test drive in one of those beautiful automobiles. New vehicles, pre-owned vehicles, the certified pre-owned Acuras. You can find them all at Acura of Memphis. Again, on Ridgeway at 385 and online where you can check out the entire inventory of pre-owned vehicles, get all kinds of information about all the different models of Acuras, as well as see any special deals they've got going on when you go to the website at Acura of Memphis. Talk a little baseball playoffs to wrap it up when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. We are Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Who's lightning? Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back. 9.50. Final segment here on Sports 56 Mornings. If you missed it earlier, five favorite things for tomorrow. Your topic for five favorite things. Your five favorite comedians who were in a television sitcom or drama. Your five favorite comedians who have been in a television sitcom or drama cannot use Variety Show, cannot use Saturday Night Live or The Chappelle Show, but many, 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 many comedians over the years have starred in a drama or a comedy series. All right, baseball playoffs. Starting at 2 o'clock today, Texas-Tampa Bay. Then at 3.30, Toronto and Minnesota. Tonight, you got Arizona-Milwaukee at 6, Miami and Philadelphia at 7. These are best two of three. And if they go 
the distance. They go to a third game. All three games are played at the team with the higher seed. So Philly, Tampa, Minnesota, Milwaukee have a big advantage here in the wild card series. Yeah, I mean, this is the way these wild cards should be, um, unlike the stupid one game they used to do. The I mean, they're playing a baseball series. This is how baseball's played the entire season. This is what you should do here. Um, I mentioned earlier the Diamondbacks going with Brandon Fought on the mound, who is three and nine on the year with a five seven two earned run average. Just weird when you see that for a game one postseason starter. Now he has pitched better recently in two of his last three starts. Uh, he did not la- allow a run. But you'll see, like, you're going down these guys, you're like, okay, like, you think, all right, you're coming with your best pitcher. This guy's three and nine with a 572 earned run average going against Corbin Burns. Doesn't look good for the Diamondbacks for today, but as uh, Dave Schaffer mentioned, this is baseball. Weird things can happen. Um, you never know for sure what's going to happen in a game, game to game. But that one just, uh, I was like, wow, that dude is pitching game one for the Diamondbacks. And, and they and they, have, they had to use pitchers over the weekend trying to get into the postseason, although they did lose all of the games. They still got into the postseason, so they could have rested everybody and been just fine and still got in. Um, but it's, yeah, so they're in, a, they're in a bad situation where Milwaukee was able to set its rotation um, for this series, knowing that they were already in and they were going to be the three seed no matter what. Brewers skipper Craig Council announcing that Brandon Woodruff will miss the wild card series with a right shoulder injury. Hopefully, for their sake, they don't need him. Yeah, I would. Uh, again, it goes to they got to Corbin Burns got to take care of business um, in this game, and then you're set up beautifully as far as that is concerned. And if they could get Woodruff probably to come back either in game one or game two of the uh, divisional series is where they would probably uh, if he's able to go with that. I don't know how much longer they expect it to be before he's ready to go. Um, he was supposed to pitch the Friday game against the Cubs. They ended up not pitching him in that one, so he's been off for quite a while, and I just don't know how much longer it's going to be. So the numbers are in. The average time of a nine-inning Major League game this year dropped to two hours and 40 minutes in the first year of the pitch clock. It's a 24-minute decrease in a season of change that resulted and a spike in batting average and the most stolen bases in nearly 40 years. I knew the stolen bases and that record would be obliterated, or at least in the last four decades, because the stolen base, the art of the stolen base has gone down, but now the bigger base, how many times you could throw over to first base, that type of stuff, um, that changed it. So they were stealing bases at a really, really good clip. But as far as the time is concerned... A drop of 24 minutes, I think that's something that most people are happy with. Yeah, and attendance was up. Now, I don't know how much the rule changes affected the attendance, but attendance was up this year. I think 26 of the 30 teams had an increase in attendance this season. Um, the overall increase in attendance was, I think, what I can't remember what the percentage is, but there's um, there was a lot of good things as far as baseball is concerned. Again, I don't know if the rule changes led to the attendance increase or how much uh, of an effect it had, but I think everybody likes the faster games. Um, There's, I mean, it's just, you know, the, um, where I got to find this number of the number of games that went over three hours, I think it was. 
Big drop, big drop, I would imagine. Oh, here, it's over three hours and 30 minutes. The percentage of games mm-hmm. that went over three hours and 30 minutes last year, 2022, 10.5% of games. Mm-hmm. 2021, 18% of games were over three and a half hours. This year, 0.4%. Wow. Like, you basically don't have three and a half hour games anymore. So it obviously worked. When, when a year ago mm-hmm. or two years ago, Almost one in every five games was going over three and a half hours. Right. That's exactly what you need is that clock, the pitch clock being something that you saw it pay dividends. And that's that kind of stat right there absolutely paid dividends. By the way, we were talking about the Red River rivalry, which will take place between Texas and Oklahoma this weekend. Uh, for only the fifth time since 2005, Texas is the favorite. Texas won the past four games when they were favored in the Red River rivalry. So it seems like the odds makers who know an awful lot know an awful lot about that rivalry. Uh, they are a six and a half point favorite, Texas is, over Oklahoma in this year's Red River rivalry. They did it in 22. So last year, where they were a seven point favorite, 2009, 2006, and 2005. I didn't know they won the way they did last year. 49 nothing? Mm hmm. My gosh. Folks, Genesis Diamonds, if you haven't been there yet, so you need to go check them out. If you're in the mo- uh, in looking at engagement rings, thinking, hey, it's about that time, want to get engaged, don't know how to go about doing it, well, go see the folks at Genesis Diamonds because they're people there. They will educate you on diamonds, on buying diamonds, on what you're looking for, what's going to affect the prices, all of these different things. They're there to educate you when it comes to buying diamonds, not just try and get you to, to buy the most expensive diamond they can get. Folks who go over there to buy an engagement ring often go in with a budget and come out spending less than they were planning on spending and getting an even better diamond than they thought they could possibly get. Selection, value, and great service from non-commissioned salespeople. That's what you're going to find at Genesis Diamonds. They're located in the Poplar Common Shopping Center. That's at Poplar and Perkins Extended. They're right there in the middle of that shopping center. Don't buy anywhere else. When it comes to engagement rings, diamonds, any fine jewelry, even the pre-owned Rolex watches, the selection, the prices, and the service at Genesis Diamonds will blow you away. Go by, check them out. Again, Poplar Common Shopping Center, Poplar and Perkins Extended. That'll do it for us today. I want to thank our guests, Connor O'Gara, Memphis Tigers guard Carl Sharonfont, Dave Sampson from the Nothing Personal podcast, former Marlins president, and the head coach of the Rhodes Lynx football team, Rich Duncan. Again, thank you to all of them. If you missed our interview with Carl Sharonfont, it's up on the website at sportsmemphis.com. Just go to Featured Audio. We're back tomorrow, starting bright and early at 7 a.m. I will not be here, but Eli and Zach will. Jerry Palm will be here. To uh, be here, he'll be over the phone. But Jerry Palm will be talking college football with Eli and Zach DeMichael Cole, of course, on the Grizzlies. And again, five favorite things: your five favorite comedians who are in a television sitcom or drama. Coming up next, it's Wolo and Friends on Sports 56. Once again, it's stats. Brett Norsworthy sitting in for Dave Willotion today. For Eli Savoy and for Zach Boyd, I'm Greg Gaston. Have a great day, everybody.